Hey everybody, it is I, once again, your master of coin, and more importantly, the host of the Everybody Trades podcast, John Miller. How's it going? And you, you are one of my beautiful listeners. And thank you so much for listening because, once again, I love this little journey that we're on called the Everybody Trades Podcast and just the brand in general. I hope you're getting something out of it because I'm really enjoying trying to enlighten people about how this mysterious little world we call the financial markets, the stock market, the Federal Reserve, the federal government, heck, all kinds of things, just how they work at maybe a little bit more of a simple a simple level and a more understandable, entertaining level than perhaps you hear on the mainstream news every night. So hey, that's my little my little intro today is just to say thank you for listening, basically. And if you enjoy this, please tell somebody else. We're just gonna keep growing this baby, slowly but surely, one listener at a time. And speaking of that kooky thing we call the stock market. It's been an ugly tape lately the last week for sure. It seems like I'm often saying that. Why do I only tape when the stock market sucks? I don't know. It must be something to do with my personality, but I'll leave that for an amateur psychologist. But basically, here's what I have been. We had a decent day today. We bounced back today and We had some things, some positions yesterday I could have easily panicked out of, including if you follow me online at everybodytrades.com or on Twitter at everybodytrades, you know that I purchased Netflix and Dropbox and made significant purchases in both of those two days ago. I even put out on Twitter yesterday, hey, I've got a quick 5% gain in Netflix. Anybody think I should get out? And well... Here's the deal. I held on to Netflix, and I don't regret it at all. I've got a good price, but it's also lower than it was before. Here's the deal. I'm, I'm Long story short, I'm not wanting to panic in this moment here because even though the, the headlines are not great right now for a lot of different reasons, which we'll get to partially here in a minute, I think the earnings calendar is about to flip to earnings season, I should say. The calendar is about to flip to earnings season. And that, at that moment, that's when earnings will be the focus. I fully expect that earnings are going to be good this quarter, so I don't see any reason to bail out of any equity positions right now. Now, maybe there's some specific stories that aren't doing well that we get out of. But as far as the stock market being long stocks in general, I believe that a good earnings season is ahead of us. So is it panic time? No, I don't believe it is. I think we've got some time here for sure. Now, having said all that about the stock market, we do have to acknowledge that this bull market is getting extremely long in the tooth by historical standards. Essentially, since the beginning of the Obama presidency, we've had a long run of bullish prices in the stock market. There's really no other way to put it than that. What I'm trying to fight against is complacency, particularly my own complacency. It's easy to feel a false sense of security when you've had years and years of easy money, if you will. Easy money in the stock market, relatively easy gains. Of course, it's never that easy in the stock market. It only seems like it in retrospect. See, again, back to the the calendar I was talking about. Once earnings are back in the forefront again, we'll have something more concrete that we can grab onto. 
one of the challenging periods is all of that noisy period in between earnings season when we're not exactly sure what's going on. We're all having to guess, as I'm guessing right now, that actually earnings season is going to be pretty strong overall. But again, back to complacency, I'm naturally a stock guy. I'm naturally a person who is going to be attracted to the stock market. So I've been starting to question my own ideas a little bit here and questioning I need probably a higher percentage of my money in things other than stocks. Now, I've always done well with stocks for the most part, and I tell people definitely to buy what you feel like you know. Now, I'm not a real estate expert, so I haven't really bought a lot of real estate other than the house that I happen to live in. That's not not an investment. That's just a place where I happen to live. It also happens to be a hedge against monetary inflation because obviously... I believe owning real things is a good hedge against printing a bunch of money. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, long story short, I'm starting to change my attitudes about one investment and one financial instrument in particular after listening to a bunch of really smart people in my field that happen to think the same way that I do. And that particular instrument is Bitcoin, Yes, that's right. I've talked about Bitcoin before, but I've never actually bought any. I've never actually taken the plunge and really decided, yep, this is the investment for me. I'm going long some Bitcoin. I'm putting 5-10% of my wealth into that. And the reason for that, to be completely frank with you, I've never been able to wrap my head around it. I don't understand. Well, I st- I, I'm, I'm beginning to understand better. But I've never been able to fully explain why Bitcoin is valuable, at least in terms of what what a lot of Bitcoin proponents like to point out is there is no, there will never be any more Bitcoins than there are today. The supply is absolutely finite. It's never going to get any bigger. Now, if that's true, that's great. And I believe, and I, from what I understand about the blockchain technology, that's all very interesting to me. It's just still difficult for me to wrap my brain around why there can be no more Bitcoins created. Now, this is where my, my thinking has started to evolve a little bit. See, in order to create a Bitcoin, there's a lot of computer processing involved. And I'm not a computer programmer, so it's going to be difficult for me to ever explain exactly with any sort of confidence or 100% accuracy of how a Bitcoin works. But if you really think about it, philosophically, there are a great many things that all of us use in our lives day to day that I also can't explain. I understand the basic idea behind an internal combustion engine in my vehicle, for instance, but I'm certainly no mechanic. I certainly can't fix it, and I certainly wouldn't be the greatest person to explain how it works to a classroom or anything like that. Same thing with an air conditioner or a refrigerator. I sort of vaguely understand how the process works, but specifically, if you put me in front of people, I'd be stammering all over the place trying to explain how the cooling process works in either one of those things. And yet, I rely on my refrigerator and, of course, the air conditioner when it's 99 degrees here in mid-Missouri 
We're relying on it quite well today, quite, quite heavily, I should say. So why should I have to be able to explain every single little machination of Bitcoin? Well, frankly, it is, it is a bigger thing, isn't it? When you're, when you're talking about actual money, when you're talking about making a giant, like I just said, I was talking about possible 5-10% investment there. That's a bigger thing, isn't it? But I just have so many, there are a lot of intelligent people that I've followed that really believe that Bitcoin can be the thing that frees us from, it can be the alternative from this massive monetary inflation that we've seen in the 20th century and the first 18 years of this century. That optimism is great, and I want to buy into it. I guess I'm sort of vamping out loud here, and I'm still thinking out loud. I I just want to know what you all think, too. I know I did make a good call when when Bitcoin hit its highest peak in about January, this this past winter sometime. That was the peak when I had everyday people asking me about Bitcoin is an investment. I told them once again, I I was honest and I said, I just can't quite wrap my mind around it. And I said, no, you can't buy it up here. It's too high. Well, now Bitcoin's come down significantly from there. And I'm much more interested at whatever it is, $5,000 today versus 12 to 15 that it was a few months ago. You know, value is value. So you always have, price always matters in these sorts of things. So of course, the fact that the the price of Bitcoin has come down a lot started piquing my interest a little bit, and I started to think, am, am I missing something now? I really start. I'm starting to think that I am missing something. This is not to be clear. This is not a rush to go out and buy Bitcoin. This is very much an evolving process here. I'm just trying to have an honest monologue with you here and just try to explain where my thinking is. See, I'm a 35-year-old guy who has essentially been trading since I was 22 on some level or another. I'm about as young of a guy who you'll ever find who was ever a pit trader in Chicago. But my thinking is always going to be evolving. I'm always going to be learning. I'm learning every single day because this is absolutely the most humbling, as humbling of a business as you could ever be in. It's sort of like professional sports. You're, you're in it every single day, especially if you're going to put your portfolio and your trades out there like I do every single day at everybodytrades.com. But anyway, I digress. Back to the news. And boy, has there been a lot of news in the last week, particularly at the Supreme Court level. Let's actually go back a tiny bit to the relatively quote-unquote old news of the Colorado Bakers decision. Now, in my world, the way I see things as a property rights advocate, the Supreme Court ruled correctly in this case, but for the wrong reasons. Of course, just like I believe that even if it is a rude thing to do, you should be able to escort Sarah Sanders out of your restaurant, you should also be able to refuse any type of service to a person for any other reason as well. The problem I have with the reasoning of the Supreme Court 
is that it had nothing to do with any sort of, well, it's my building, so therefore you can't force me to do anything. It's my business, so therefore I can't be forced to use my labor to do something for another person. That was not the Supreme Court's reasoning. You see, Justice Thomas and all these other people who wrote in their affirmative statements were all focusing on why an artistic expression, as in a how a wedding cake is designed is a, a part of free speech or it's part of a religious expression or a ceremonial this or a, a this or a that. It's all just sort of this weird, is it art or is it speech logic? To me, that is, that is an extreme, I hate the phrase slippery slope, but it's certainly a, a big snowball that can get even bigger as it goes down the hill at the very least they can turn into an avalanche if that's the basis that we're going to decide people's rights is nine people in black robes up on a hill get to decide what is speech and what is art and what is religion. So it's always struck me as odd that there are some people, it seems to me that there are some, at least that are, I don't know the exact laws here, I'm vamping a little bit, but it seems to me that there are some tribes in this country who make the argument that they can do illegal drugs because it's part of their religion. Because peyote, having a peyote experience or something like that is part of a religious ceremony, a religious uh, a rite of passage, if you will. That's all well and good. I don't deny any of that, but to me... Once we go down the road of making that a basis of legality or illegality, now by definition, you're putting it in charge of deciding what is religion. Like, what if it's my religion to do peyote too? Just because I'm a white guy, I can't do that? I, that? That is no basis for any sort of principle. But obviously, I shouldn't be allowed to do peyote or bring peyote into your restaurant or your house that's a different issue entirely. But in my house, where I'm doing nothing to hurt anybody else, now that's a whole other issue, isn't it? How did I go from Sarah Sanders to peyote? Well, that is why you listen to the Everybody Trades podcast. And you know what? I think that's as great of a spot as we're ever going to get to finish off. So next time, everybody, we'll see you again. Once again, thanks for listening. Tell a friend.